Buonasera! My name is Marcello. I am a tour leader with Explore. Ciao! Come, follow me. Behind this 200 year old gate is the best view of one of Rome's finest fountains. Ah, oh, bellissima! Look at the Renaissance detail, the sunlight in the bronze! Not everyone knows about Turtle Fountain, but you will if you explore. Search explore.co.uk and don't just travel, explore. Hey there, and welcome to my Saturday mini-sode. I know that weekends can often be quite difficult when you're single and you don't have kids. So I wanted to do a very short episode every Saturday morning, just so that you can listen to someone first thing on a Saturday who totally gets it, who totally has your back, and who knows that weekends can still be awesome, even more so, when you're on your own. I'm going to be talking about all sorts of things from my general wonderings to my words of wisdom about life. Take the word wisdom with a huge pinch of salt to stuff that I'm currently obsessed with, whether that be books or music or podcasts. Whatever it is, I really hope that you guys will enjoy it. So, without further ado, here we go. Hey, hey, and welcome back to my Saturday mini-sode. Thank you so much for tuning in. So, whilst the title of this mini-sode might sound a little bit depressing, it's actually not about death. It's a reminder in the most poignant way about life and how to live it to the fullest. So, there's a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, written by an Australian author called Bronnie Ware, who used to work as a TEDx speaker, a songwriter, and she also spent a long time working with terminally ill patients. And she ended up starting a blog about what she had learned from working with all of these people. She subsequently wrote an article called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, and it basically went viral. And she then went on to write a whole book about it. Bronnie started working with dying people because she was looking to find a job with heart, as she puts it. She used to work in banking, but she was always a seeker and she always knew there was something more to life, which is what led her to working with people who were dying. Um, And she did this for eight years, but at the time she had never even thought about writing a book. But she was having all of these incredibly important conversations with people. And at the same time, she was trying to kick off her career as a singer-songwriter. And she found that several of these patients said to her with a real urgency, please don't let these stories die with me. Please share this stuff. And after she left that job, she ended up setting up a songwriting program at a women's prison. And she was asked to write an article by a music magazine about how this had come about, at which point she realised how much she loved writing. So she then started the blog about the regrets of dying people, which subsequently took off and then became the book. Um, And in writing the book, Bronnie wanted people to understand that life is a short and precious gift, that we are all unique and we all have something to contribute and that the lessons we're given are given to us to bring us into our best selves. And I bloody love that because isn't that how we should all be striving to live? And all the people she worked with said that they couldn't believe how fast their lives had gone. 
Um, I don't know about you guys, but I cannot actually believe that it is nearly May. And it genuinely, it doesn't just make me go, oh my God, it's nearly May. It makes me go, holy shit. Seriously, it's nearly May. I feel like it was just Christmas. It was just my birthday. Time goes so scarily fast. And it's certainly, you know, it certainly goes even faster the older you get. So it's something that I am really, really, really conscious of. And it really freaks me out like on a daily basis. So it's just something to bear in mind. And one of Bronnie's other messages is that we need to start being present in our lives. We need to start paying attention every single day. So I thought I would do a little mini-sode and briefly talk about these top five regrets of the dying. So the first and most common regret of the dying is that they wish they had lived a life true to themselves rather than a life that other people expected them to live. We all need to really, really think about this. One of the people that Bronnie interviewed was a woman called Grace who had been unhappily married for over 50 years. She'd always wanted to travel. He didn't. She said he was a tyrant and he treated her really badly. And the day after he himself was admitted into a nursing home, Grace walked into a travel agent and picked up some brochures so that she could finally start travelling like she'd always wanted to. But within a few weeks, she also got really ill and it transpired that she had stage four lung cancer. So she never got to travel. Um, And one day Grace said this to Bronnie. Promise this dying woman that you will always be true to yourself, that you'll be brave enough to live life the way you want to, regardless of what other people will say. Now, just take that in for a moment. These are the words of a woman who was literally about to die. And that was the message that she wanted to leave behind. Promise this dying woman that you will always be true to yourself, that you'll be brave enough to live the way you want, regardless of what other people will say. I mean, this is just huge, isn't it? And I know that I've talked about living authentically before on this podcast, but isn't this a really big wake up call to all of us? This lovely old lady whose main regret was not living the life that she knew she wanted to. And as with so many things, it's about courage, having the courage to follow your heart, because life really is so short. That is the truth of it. So why are we all so bloody concerned with what everyone else is going to say? One of the things that Grace said in response to Bronnie asking why she didn't leave her husband and go and do the things she wanted was, what will the neighbours think? That was what she was worried about. What will the freaking neighbours think? Why are we wasting our lives living in fear of stepping outside the box, stepping out of line? Like, what are we actually doing here? We were not put on this earth to live some kind of half-life. We just weren't. But we have been conditioned by society, by the people around us, to think that we have to play the game in a certain way. But it's enough So think about what is going to be going through your mind in your final days and weeks of life. Because when you think about it like that, you know in your heart what you want to be doing. We all do when we really allow ourselves to actually think about it. 
And as you'll know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I believe that way too many people are not living out their potential. And more than that, they're not even trying. So why do we waste it? And actually, here's a quote from Bronnie Ware that I absolutely love and resonates with me so, so much in relation to this first regret. It kind of says everything really in a very concise and poignant way. And it goes like this. Living a life true to yourself takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage. And you've got to break through so much resistance and break free of the opinions of others. And it does take a lot of work and it's easy to quit. But oh my goodness, when you get through to the other side of it, like I have, and live completely on your own terms, it's such a gift of freedom to yourself. So there is Bronnie Ware's take on this. It's not easy to live a life that is true to yourself. You have to go through discomfort and fear and resistance from both yourself and other people, but it leads to true freedom. Okay, so the second regret of the dying is, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. In summary, the people who Bronnie worked with who were dying realised that so much of their identity was caught up in their work and they felt that when work was taken away, there wasn't really anything left. So this particular regret is about creating a balance in your life and making sure that you spend time on the things that bring you joy, time actually living your life. Um... And to me, this makes me think of the many, many years when I worked jobs that I just didn't care about, but they took up the vast majority of my time and my energy and my life. And I would come home knackered and all I wanted to do was just collapse on the sofa in front of the TV. And how many of us do that? So I think this is a reminder to make damn sure that you're really carving out time to do the things that make you happy. But actually, I think there can be quite a fine line here because take me in this podcast. Now, I quote unquote work on this podcast all the time when I'm not physically in the coffee shop or at my sister's or seeing the odd friend or walking by the river. I'm largely at my desk working. But I do think there's a difference between spending your time working on something that you get a lot out of and you and you love, like I do with this podcast, um, and it doesn't feel like work because it's doing something that I love doing. And whilst there are times when, you know, it's seven o'clock at night and I'm about to do another podcast interview with someone in the States, hence doing it in the evening because of the time difference. Whilst there are times when I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired and I just don't feel like doing this or I just don't have the energy. It's still something that I love doing. So even when it can feel hard, I don't resent it. I don't hate it. It's just that even thing, even the things that we love doing can be hard. So I think that is something to bear in mind in terms of what Bronnie is saying. But these people wish that they'd spent more time doing things that brought them joy rather than using work as their whole identity. And I personally can take something from this because I do have a tendency to be a, a bit of a workaholic. But it's just really important to have a real sense of yourself outside of your work. Um... And, you know, create space to do the things that you love and just kind of be in the moment. So for me, that can look like literally taking 20 minutes to play with my cats and properly interact with him and just really relish being with, you know, this divine little creature who brings me so much joy. 
Um, another thing I do is, you know, I always get outside and get down by the river and it feels like a necessity for me. And I need that time to be in nature and get some exercise and be present to how lucky I am to live where I live and how beautiful it is by the river. So yes, that is the second regret of the dying. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. So make sure you have a think about that one too. Okay, the third regret is, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Now, I can definitely think of times in my life where I've expressed my feelings to someone and then immediately wished I hadn't, (laughs) but that's not what this is about. Um, An example that Bronnie uses in her book is a man called Joseph, who was a Holocaust survivor, who'd worked his whole life. And he was in tears right at the end because he felt as though his family just didn't know him. He had just never been able to express his feelings to his family. And this one really gets to me because it makes me think of my dad, who died 19 years ago when I was just 28. He had been ill for a long time, about 10 years from start to finish. Um, He had several operations, big, serious operations, and it was a pretty traumatic experience, the whole thing. And in the end, he died. And he was quite a bit older than my mum, 16 years older than her, and he died when he was 71. And he really was of a generation of men who weren't the best at showing emotions, And my dad, although he was totally awesome in many, many ways, he was super bright, very, very funny. He had the best sense of humour. He was loyal. You know, he was always there with us. Um, And I adored him. But he wasn't easy as a dad. And although I knew he loved me, for a lot of my life, he was very distant and kind of emotionally unavailable. And he didn't really express his feelings to us at all. But when he was seriously ill, the craziest thing happened in that it was like he had literally had to have his heart opened in surgery in order for him to be able to open his heart. And in his last couple of years, I guess it was, he showed more love and affection to us than he'd ever been able to before. And I'll never forget this one time. It was literally weeks before he died, although, of course, I didn't know that at the time. And he and I were watching the film High Fidelity with John Cusack, you know, from the book by Nick Hornby. And there's a scene in the film where the main character, which John Cusack plays his girlfriend's dad dies and she calls him in tears and she just goes, my dad died. And my dad was sitting next to me whilst we were watching this film. And I'll never forget, he just looked over at me and I sensed that he was looking at me. So I looked over at him like, what? And he just said, I love you. And before he was ill, he was never really able to say those words And it's just a moment that I will never forget. And I think it really speaks to what Bronnie is talking about here. So if your parents are still alive, make sure you tell them you love them. I now tell everyone I love them all the time. I tell my mum pretty much every time I speak to her. The same with my brother and my sister and my friends. And now, of course, poor Johnny, my cat, who's like, can you please stop telling me you love me every five seconds? 
But yeah, we want to find the courage to tell the people we love how we feel about them. But of course, this is both very easy and incredibly hard. Okay, so the fourth regret of the dying is, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Bronnie talks about how a lot of the dying people that she worked with actually wanted to speak to their friends rather than their families. They didn't want to burden their families and their kids, and they could obviously see the pain that they were causing their families. So old friends allowed the dying person to just be 100% themselves and not have to worry about being sensitive due to it being a family, a family member. So they found themselves able to kind of laugh with their friends and not feel such a responsibility to their friends as they did to their family members. In other words, although of course the friend was sad too, it was very different to their family members. And Bronnie said that friends were able to bring a kind of lightness to the situation that wasn't always possible with family members who were often much closer to the situation and more emotionally tied to it, if that makes sense. And sometimes the dying person wanted a specific friend who they had lost touch with or fallen out with. So it makes us perhaps think about those friends who we might want to reach out to. And I know there are people in my life whose friendships I've kind of neglected or, you know, people I've fallen out with, but of course I still love them. And it just makes me want to reach out to them. And it's another thing that really doesn't take very much, but it can mean so much. So after I've recorded this, I'm going to send some text messages. Um, But having said that, um, you know, I've talked before on this podcast about a friend who is no longer in my life, who I've known for many, many, many years. But this person, um, I don't feel was really a good friend to me. And... And I know that they weren't good for my life, weren't good for me. So that's a tricky one, because on the one hand, there, of course, is a part of me that wants to reach out because I still love this person and always will. But there's another part of me that knows that this person isn't good for me in my life. So anyway, that's going off on a bit of a tangent. can be tricky, the whole friendship thing. But obviously this is a reminder that we might want to reach out to people who we've perhaps lost touch with. So yes. Now the fifth and final top regret of the dying is, I wish that I'd let myself be happier. In the book, Bronnie says the following. This is a surprisingly common one. Many did not realise until the end that happiness is a choice. They'd stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. The so-called comfort overflowed into all of their emotions as well as their physical lives. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content. When deep within, they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. Now, Bronnie also said that this often came from judgment from other people and other people's belief systems sort of being put upon them. And the dying person would just tell her that they'd realised that, you know, this isn't who I am. I took these beliefs on and I've been paying a penance my whole life for them. And she also said that they'd express feelings that they hadn't owned the fact that they did deserve to be happy and that happiness is a choice. 
Now, this one resonates so much with me, and I, f- I also find it incredibly interesting, not to mention heartbreaking, because we have to realise that we do have a choice to find happiness in our life. It is a conscious choice, and that is aside from whatever crap might be going on in our lives, because we all have shit going on in our lives. We have to understand, truly understand that we get to cultivate happiness within ourselves and that it always comes from within us. And subsequently, we always have a choice and we can make a decision to reach for happiness. We don't want to be waiting for this thing or that person or that time or that experience to happen before we allow ourselves to feel happy. We get to tap into it right now. I did another mini-sode all about this actually called I'll Be Happy When... So you should go and have a listen to that one if you want. So there are the top five regrets of the dying in a nutshell. I'll just go through each of them. The first one is wishing they had lived a life true to themselves rather than a life that other people had expected of them. The second regret is, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. The third regret is, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. The fourth regret is, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And the fifth regret is, I wish that I'd let myself be happier. But, you know, what all of these regrets say to me is that we need to get more present in our lives. It's too easy to go through the motions, to walk through life on autopilot like some kind of zombie. I see so many people walking through the world looking like this. And I see it more in other people since I've sort of, quote unquote, woken up and become way more conscious about the way that I live my life. Because that's what all of this is about. It's about being conscious. It's about pulling yourself out of that sort of almost trance-like state that we're going through life in, just getting through the days. Because that is not a way to live. And if we become more conscious of the present moment and more conscious about our thoughts, then we're going to have a better life. And like Bronnie says, and like I've said many times on this podcast, life is short. So let's freaking live it. I highly recommend you go and buy the book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. So you can dive into more detail on these five regrets. Because what better way to live your life than by the words of people who were at the very end of theirs? Okay, I hope this hasn't been depressing. I hope it's been inspirational and motivational and perhaps made you think about some changes you might want to make in your own life. Have a fabulous weekend and remember that you are awesome. And also remember that life is short, so get out there and make the most of it. See you Tuesday. Bye.